You sound so excited to be back. Yeah. All right, let's go. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the warm sounds of the Beer Engine podcast with Griff and Tony. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Griff. It's the Beer Engine podcast. We're back uh, from our spring break, spent all over um, various parts of the U.S. and Europe and Australia, for that matter. Uh, of course, I'm always joined by uh, my good friend and uh, U.S. political analyst, Tony. Tony, how are you? Look, I would say I'm relaxed because we've had some time off, but in political terms, it's been it's been an interesting time. So I've been keeping busy on the political side of things, yeah. of course. We know Nick Torque, plug your ears. Yes, Nick Torque, definitely plug your ears over this. <laughs> Because I've got to talk some Stephen Crowder. Oh, you got some Crowder material for me. All right. Oh, have you, have you missed all this Crowder drama? Oh. I saw Crowder. I saw the Crowder divorce. Yes. Which was one of those things that I was so unsurprised by that it almost just sort of, I almost, it just glazed over my eyes where I was like, yeah, yeah. So what? You know what? These guys get divorced. They're a dime a dozen. I mean, Crowder's a dickhead. Who would have, who would have thought his wife would leave him? But you seem to be more plugged into the deets of, of what might have happened here. Well, it was just like, you're right, but oftentimes these people are able to humanise themselves in one way or another. They can garner some sort of... There's an ounce of humanity behind them, but like everything that we've seen from Crowder... And from the leaks that have come out, he is as big an asshole in his real life as he is on the show. And there's no sort of crack in the mask. Like Alex Jones, horrible person. Yeah, 80% as bad, a terrible husband. There's sort of a 20% redeeming character in Alex's personal life. Still horrible, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he's 80% better. I'm saying he's probably 20% better than what he is. He's, on the show, he's probably just—he's probably just a normal dickhead yeah. in the real life. Yeah. Yep, just the normal guy you run into at the grocery. No, I, I think You're he's like, worse than a normal dickhead. Yeah. But but yeah. Crowder making his wife or then wife um, trying to um, give the dog medicine while she's pregnant with medic medicine that could be harmful to the baby um, was a really, really shitty move. And then, like, trying to pull the, like, I only have one car power move because he doesn't want her having a life outside of his. Um, There's a lot of, like, this dude is exactly who he portrays himself as, um, and it's great to see. Kind of, he and Ben Shapiro, I know they couldn't work it out at the Daily Wire, but they are really peas on a pod in a pod, not on a pod, in a pod, because, like, that dude's wife has also never had any joy in his life. So I just love the fact that he's a shithead. Um, Trump uh, could have to pay out a few million dollars for raping somebody. Best we can really hope for with Trump, let's be honest. He's never going to serve any prison time for any of this shit. But if he can at least have big lawyers, lawyer bills and maybe... Somebody gets a small set of money. Not like he'll pay him, but yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, those are the lawyers that he has to pay, right? He, yeah. he was with the lawyers that he pays. Okay. 
Yeah. Like, he he gets a good look, legal team together for stuff that matters, not for overturning a rigged election that wasn't a rigged yeah. election. He leaves that to Norman Rudy. Pattis ain't cruising out for this one, yeah. Yeah, or, or no, these, these are top legal firms and they cost dollars. So he may not... I didn't have, see that Norman Pattis was working for the Proud Boy guys. That's <laughs> pretty funny. Have, I didn't realise he was... Oh, didn't you? I, I didn't realise he had gotten hired by, like, a real human. Well, I mean, we, not that those guys are... They're pretty inhuman, but still, like, for a real thing. The Alex Jones thing felt so... I don't know why that just felt so surreal, but um, someone like bringing in Norman Pattis because they saw him on Alex Jones. No, 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 no. That's not how that worked. Norm Pattis is really well enshrined in sort of what they they used to sort of wrap themselves up in as like free speech warriors, kind of that like ACLU adjacent. But Norm's a little bit more openly right wing these days. Um, but he's always been deep into that world, kind of like Bobby Barnes, um, another one of Alex's lawyers. Um, that he's like one of the. Is he like one of the old school ones? Uh, yeah, like uh, the one, the Larry Flint, Ed, Ed Norton yeah. in Larry Flint movie. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, kind of one of those guys. So he he's deep into the Proud Boys. It was just interesting that Alex was able to get his services. Um, it should be known that the. Lawyers coming out of the Alex Jones case haven't fared particularly well. Norm was um, unable to practice law for about six months there. Um, Indino Renault um, has been sanctioned by the courts. He's um, he's sort of known as Mick Mullet because of his haircut. Um, so at the very least, all these lawyers that were a part of the Alex Jones case, while they may have got paid on on the defence side, I'm talking about. Um, when people, when clients go to Google them, they will be forever associated, at least within a Google search, with Alex Jones, and that is better than any sanction you can get because um, most of these lawyers were just everyday lawyers, just trying to practice their law, not trying to make a statement. But um, yeah, they'll forever be associated with Alex, and maybe they'll have to turn into right wing grifters. And let's be honest, that's what we need. John Eastman isn't doing as much as he once did. We need more right-wing grifters. Now, the other political thing that I thought was worth bringing up was George Santos. Now, Tony, are you familiar with this George Santos character? You mean uh, the former drag queen out of Brazil? Mm Mm-hmm. Yes. I believe that is. Right, yeah. That is one of the many sides of George Santos. I also believe he's a Broadway producer um, and he sells magic tricks around the country. Oh, no, that's Phobes. I apologise. Got yeah, too confused yeah. for, there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> I heard this guy is also hunting down from free lunch. Yes. Uh, I, this is one thing that I noticed. What is it, 13 charges that Santos has been brought up on? It is the greatest. <laughs> I didn't think he would actually get charged with anything because, again, once you get to a certain power level in any country around the world, not singling out the the US, look at Boris Johnson in England, look at people in Australia, you get to a certain power level, you're kind of untouchable. Maybe he just wasn't quite there. Maybe congressman, not enough, or or senator, not sure which one he is, but... um, I think he's a congressman. Isn't I, think, he? Well, I think it depends on what country you're in, by the way, as to if you get to a certain power level at, in like the right country, you can, you'll get away with it. But I think 
For some reason, I feel like if you're in South America, Latin America, I think you might still have. You, you gotta be careful. Like you gotta, there. I think I'm not saying you'll have legal consequences, but you may just have uh, consequences. Well, I would say. Yeah, but once you get to that level in those countries, you the worst thing you can try and do is actually try and gain power. That's when you're really in trouble. I'm talking about get yeah. powerful enough to get everything you need from the government but don't actually become a part of the government because we're seeing that not only in Latin America, in, in Pakistan at the moment. Um, Imran Khan, the former president, is um, facing a whole whole number of charges um, brought on by the now ruling party. Um, and he just should have stayed a fast bowler for the Pakistani national team. He would have lived out a comfortable life. Instead, he gets involved in politics and, yeah, Oops. you can't reach for the stars sometimes. Just stay at that, well, like, super powerful. Like, the DeVosses are a perfect example to me of people that, oh, sure, yeah. um, even though most of their money goes into right-wing causes, they're not going to get touched by the Democratic Party. And it would be the same in no matter what country they were involved in. They are just the right level of power to influence whatever they need to influence, but they're never get, going to get um, hurt in a military coup or, or something like that. Sure. Well, anyway, this Santos guy, um, he has all these wire fraud and charges and all this. But anyways, he's just kind of a goofball anyways. He's, he's also, you know, a lot of this stems because he was just making shit up when he ran for office. Uh, and um, his posts since then have been pretty funny. He's gone full Trump on his posting and posted witch hunt, the witch hunt post. We love that. And then his most recent post. Um, okay, no. So his second most recent post was where's Hunter and a thinking emoji. So I'm thinking that's a Hunter Biden. Some no. kind of Hunter Biden. I think no. it's a Hunter Hillegas. You know, the guy that ran that Vegas site. I reckon that's what Santos is referencing in that tweet. Not Hunter Biden. Okay. Like where is like. I just don't get the um, obsession with Hunter B- Biden at this point. Like, um, like go he's after a fail James. Son. Who cares? Yeah. You know, he's some. He's a yeah. He's like a. He's a. He's a. He's a fail lord who uh, stumbled into a life of, you know, overindulgence. And I mean, I don't know what the relevancy is to this. Like, but we're both on the left. Would we really give a fuck if Hunter Biden was charged? and was actually held accountable. He's just as much a part of the problem as George Santos, Donald Trump. Hunter Biden's nepotism and the amount of power he's got, just because it's a little, and I mean just a little further left than Trump, doesn't mean that I want to see the guy stay out of jail and and get away with shit. If he's done something wrong, which he probably has, let's be honest, he's pretty much a fuckwit. Um, And then then the last one we got is... He asked questions about Miles. I don't know who Miles Go is. No, but um, that's too deep in the weeds, even for me. And the DOG, the DOG, the DOJ invite indicts me five days later. Hey, the DOG indicts you. That's because you didn't feed him. <laughs> it's your dog. Yes. Uh, the fight is real, and I'm over the target. Oh. I don't know what that means. I need your support to keep me fighting for freedom. What freedoms has he ever uh, fought for? MAGA, hashtag Trump was right about everything. Hashtag stop the CCP. <laughs> so on and so forth. 
This guy, this guy's right there on the. Uh, now this was just his Santos for Congress, um, Twitter. Oh, that's his campaign account. He's still posting over there, but now on his on his main account, he's not posting any um, any of this shit. So he's just posting uh, Nicki Minaj reacts to my bill. George Santos anti. So the the guy, the the lady who's what was that her her uh, cousin's balls got big or whatever yeah, it was. Nicki yep. Minaj's cousin. Yeah, she thinks that's cool. So, anyways, uh, this guy's a another just like overall hot mess of a dude and a failure. Um, but who knows how long he'll be in office for? So enjoy it. Enjoy him while you can. I'm not a. This was the first result that popped up, but just click on that link that I've sent in the doc um, and have a look at the court sketch. Don't read anything because it's fucking CNN and you know how shitty their reporting is, but have a look at the court sketch. It is fucking (laughs) amazing. Looks like a vampire. I don't know why they they make him look like a vampire. No, no, the bigger issue to me is the use of the uh, purple and Hot, hot, yeah, the pink. purple and <laughs> hot pink. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> you know, huh. Some kind of message being sent there. I don't know what that is. And but. odd choice, the use of pastel rather than, than pencil. Like most sketch artists, they're like pencil people, but using the pastel rather than pencil. There you go. Maybe you should have been a courtroom artist, Tony. It could have been a... Well, it wouldn't, it wouldn't be any worse than that, let's be honest. This guy, he, he, I mean, he looks like he's going on what we do in the shadows. I mean, it's. But does that really look bizarre. like George Santos to you? No. No. His hair, his hair looks pretty, um, tightly bound uh, to his head, and I guess that makes sense. But he's got the high collar and this black sweater. I, I don't know what this look is. So, and his hands look really weird. He looks like an AI drawing. With the bad hands. Oh, that would really be good bad. to get AI to draw. If I'm sure you could do it. Yeah. Get, get, if George Santos was a vampire, what would he look like? I'm guessing that's what would pop out. It would be somewhere close. Yep. All right, Tony, we need a little more talk from you, so why don't we run down what's going on in the NBA playoffs over the last two weeks. Now, I know uh, Milwaukee's out. Yep. I hate that was it. A bad, that was a bad decision by me to like Milwaukee. Yep. Uh, we're at. We who else will we run out on? We're. Um, I hate it almost as much as George teams, Santos. Yeah. To be honest, the NBA playoffs. There's not a team I want to root for. Okay. I yeah, know. I agree. We've got the Warriors LA series at the moment. Um, two teams that are not going any further than this point. Let's be honest. They're they're both running on fumes, um, and right. nobody who who isn't a Lakers fan. And he's actually a basketball fan. Actually enjoys watching the Lakers succeed. Um, and the Warriors—they've had their fill. Don't get me wrong. Love me some Steph every now and then, but um, they've had their time. Um, right. And then on the other side of the West, we've got Nuggets versus Suns. Nuggets. I still have my doubts. They're leading the series. Um, I hope they win the whole thing, but not a team I'm hugely invested in. Uh, the okay. Suns are the Suns. They're not as lovable now that they've got KD on their squad. And the right. fucking East is just a bigger mess. 
So you've got an 8v5 seed with the 8 seed leading that. So Miami are beating the Knicks. Both teams that I don't like. The Knicks because, like, I remember those 90s Nick teams that you are yeah. extremely familiar with. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Miami Heat are like, they're... Just Jimmy Butler and just Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler does Jimmy they're Butler jugg- things. Juggernaut now. Yep. And the other matchup, I hate both teams. I hope they both lose. Philadelphia 76ers oh, yeah. and the Boston Nobody, Celtics. It's impossible to root for anyone in that series. Yeah. yeah. Like, I hope, what I hope is Philly go through and jo- Joel Embiid gets himself suspended. Because I don't wish an injury on anybody, but it just seems to me like he's a guy that could, like, go all Rodman at a mm. moment's notice, like, or Lambier at a moment's notice, and that shit just doesn't fly in modern playoffs. So I'm not enjoying the playoffs at the moment. I love me some all NBA right. regular season. I love me some first rounds of the playoffs. But when all the teams that I want to see succeed go out in the first round, it really makes it tough to actually root for a team. I don't know what your thoughts are. You, you're a basketball guy as well. I know Chicago didn't make it through the play playing game, but um, what are your thoughts on the NBA playoffs at the moment? I hope Denver wins. That's about that's about my only hope. Yep. Uh, otherwise, the rest of the teams could could just fall off. I, I sort of just want Jokic to get his title, and then we can we can move on. Yep. And it'd be it'd be interesting to see Miami keep going, but otherwise, I don't care. Boston and Philly get get rid of them all. Yep. Knicks, I don't care. Yeah, Warriors, Lakers, you don't care. Warriors. I mean, it's, it's. I mean, listen. If we could have, if we had Miami and the Lakers in the finals, that would be the most hilarious outcome. Two play-in teams. <laughs> yes, would <laughs> be excellent. Yep. So maybe that's a funny outcome to root for, but um, otherwise, I think uh, I think it's um, I think it's pretty moot. I agree with you. It's it's not too exciting. I mean, it's good games. The games are good, but yep, more anyway. Now, I don't know whether you saw it. I know our friend Brian Malika didn't see it because he apparently has got to the bottom of Netflix but hasn't actually watched Drive to Survive. We had the Grand Prix of Miami um, over the past weekend. I'm wondering whether you saw anything about that and sort of the success or the uh, extreme prices that went on at that event. Did you... Now, now, what happened here? What was the pricing? I mean, I only hear about the Vegas pricing, so I okay. didn't get to watch this because I believe I was flying on an airplane. So Yeah, so grand, grandstand tickets were in the thousands. That that happens at events. But the general admission for three days was $600, which is right up there at the high, high end of Formula One prices. Right. But the food prices are what are really getting people okay. on tilt. All right. Um, it's very U.S. to just jack up the food and, and booze. Yeah. Yep. Well, there was one one place, and it was to serve four people. Didn't have an item under two hundred dollars, like for a basic sandwich to serve four people. It was like a group menu, so I think like your average food costing was around fifty dollars for like a stadium piece of food, which is just ridiculous. Um, I'm at fifty. Yeah. 15? 5-0. 5-0. Oh, that's a lot. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, and that's really the issue um, is is the food and drink prices tends to 
they've gouged people um, even more than than what you would consider for normal um, gouging. Yeah. yeah, I'm going it's to send a point. link into the doc so you can check it out. Again, this is from Lab Lad Bible, so take it for what you you want. But uh, you know, you'll see the uh, you'll see the price for the chilled section of food. Oh my god! This, okay, so this has to be in like a club area, right? Um, I'm guessing so. Um, yeah. Okay. So you got some. Okay. So this no, is but, but go, cocktail. But go down a bit. Five hundred dollars. Yeah. If you keep going down, and then it's got the um, the price of um, don't know how many you would get in a bucket, but a a bucket in Vegas is what twenty five bucks for beer. Yeah. Yeah, they're charging um, forty okay, bucks. Fifty bucks for a bucket of of Heineken. Hmm. But uh, yes, you got a uh, you got okay. So pitcher. Okay, these are pictures of cocktails. So I don't know how many. This is this is the price. First of all, the food prices are what you would pay in like a suite, but still times. I mean, t- times like this is multiplied by like five. Yeah. Yep. Um, especially since it only serves four people. So I just love the idea of getting like what eight shrimp in the prawn cocktail. Yep. Yep. And then $500. <laughs> but if you, if Brutal. you continue scrolling down, there's also a photograph. Now we don't, I'm not sure whether this is real. The next article, which is the, um, essentially the, the fire festival sandwich that they reckon happened at, <laughs> Uh, yeah, that looks like a, that looks like a ham. I gotta say, it's not yeah, wet, not wagyu steak. Yeah, no, but whether that's legit or not, I think that one's still up for for debate. But but the menu is real, and yes, it's probably in a club area. But there probably wasn't that many genuine retail places at the Miami Grand Prix, yeah. with the actual lack of like non grandstand tickets. That that's I'm guessing. Most people would have been on a package to be a part of that. So yeah, there's there's no way. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, that's that's no good. Like, uh, who knows what they'll do in Vegas, really? So it's it's exciting to find out. Yeah. Yeah. Did, they, uh, did Vegas get ideas from this or a, a cautionary warning? I don't know. I think it's a cautionary warning because it's been this one, unlike the other two Grand Prix, which are run independently. One is run in part by the owner of the Miami Dolphins, hence why it's around Hard Rock um, Stadium. And the other one is run by the Circuit of the Americas. Vegas is actually going to be run by Formula One itself. Now, the ticket prices for the hotels, they're out of control, but I think they will sort of draw the line at a 560 bottle of Crown Royal. I, I think you can expect to see more sort of you know, nightclub prices in Vegas, sort of three fifty for a bottle prices, rather than five hundred and sixty yeah. for for Crown right. Royal. Maybe normal, just normal Vegas prices would be fine. Yeah, that's the best you can hope for. Like, um, you're not going to get a bargain at F one. But to give you some idea, the merchandise were the exact same prices, but in different currencies in Australia and the US. And I thought they were exorbitant in Australia. I paid ninety dollars for a uh, cap. You know what they were in US dollars at Miami? Ninety dollars. Five ninety. 
90. Right. So that that's uh, if we were to convert that to Australian dollars, that's around 135 Australian dollars. Yeah, that's 140 bucks. Yeah, yeah that's almost adding another 50 percent on top of it. <sighs> Christ! But enough of the doom and gloom. Let's get onto a sport we all fucking love: XFL, yep, baby. Let's get that XFL recap. Griff's XFL recap. Boom. There weren't any games this week, but that's why it's funny to do a Griff's XFL recap. Is uh, it Are is you, championship week? How do you know that there were no games? Did you check out the homepage where they always have the most up to date scores? Unfortunately, the homepage would would never tell you what happened this past week. You would never be able to find out. But I was tipped off by our listener Corey that um, they took a week off before the championship game this coming Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, exhausting. Man, this is tiring. Getting over that jet lag, he says. Oh. Getting over the jet lag. Anyways, we got the uh, we have the, the Renegades and the Defenders will be playing in the championship game at the Alamo Dome. Uh, Tony, that's in San Antonio, Texas. Of course it is. It's the former home of the San Antonio Spurs, led by that's David correct, Robinson. Uh, now, I, I was disappointed because I was like, oh, man, I'm not going to get my XFL review article. Um, but, ah, I was wrong. Really? I did get one because there is an XFL review, XFL preview, um, and it is literally <laughs> titled something like that. Uh, it's titled, sorry, XFL Rewind, predicting the XFL championship game. So it really isn't rewinding anything. It's actually pre-winding uh, pretty much. <laughs> so... Uh, Tony, I did I did get a word count on this. It's about only a mere twenty eight hundred eighty. Uh, so, so this man still went almost three thousand words without a game to play. But really mailing about. it in at this point, like compared to his like five thousand word soliloquies that he used to do, this is really mailing it in. Let's be honest. Yeah, it is funny because the championship game is between the. Clear, what's been clearly the best team in the league, DC, who's nine and one, and the Renegades, who snuck into the playoffs four of six, or four <laughs> and six, sorry, four and six, and they beat Houston in the first round. The Rough Riders. Um, so we have a nine and one team and a four and six team. I think a four and six team winning the XFL title would really be perfect. Really be wonderful, yeah. And. Um, yeah, 20, only twenty eight eighty on the on the word count. So we'll see how much how much uh, ink is spilled on the page for the XFL championship next week. It'll all be over. Um, what? Who knows how we'll fill this time? But I'm sure we'll find a way. Um, oh man, there was an awards week one too. Hold on, let's check this one. I'm just okay. watching some of the highlights for these games, and I and if they're the top five highlights for the season, I'm like, this is. Um Pretty average college football level shit. It's um... yeah, no, I would say this is about what they are. I mean, it's it's um, it's going to be like you know your pretty decent seniors yep. that end up getting into this, but not good enough to get in the NFL. Oh, the uh, the other the other article from this week was only twenty two hundred words. So combined, he, he gave us about five thousand, but. Okay. Five thousand words with no games to play is pretty good. <laughs> you got to give it up. Um, that's pretty good. So nice work by this guy. He's he's put a lot of he's put a lot of text. He has put a lot here. of um, 
characters down. A lot of those could be, um, what's the what's his name, Ipsum? You know where you use it to just put it. Lorem Ipsum. Lorem Ipsum. Yep, that's that's my yeah, view on it. He's doing some Lorem Ipsum. That would be funny if he started doing. That. I was thinking Wingdings. They're popping some Wingdings <laughs> up there. I think that'd be pretty good if we just had a. Or doing that. What's that called? The art. Uh, the. Uh, AS the ASCII art or whatever ASCII that is. art, the, old uh, school on the yeah. dot matrix printer. Do some, do some of that. That'd be yep. pretty good. Would be. Um, all right. I guess we'll do a little bit of beer talk today. Okay. Um, so I did just get off uh, some significant travels. I know you've been traveling around Australia a bit. Um, went to New York City and then went over to NBCC. We're going to cover NBCC next week. Might have a couple of guests on next week to talk about nice. their NBCC experience. Um, but, you know, New York City, great experience. I feel bad because apparently it was would have been a, I would have been able to meet up one of our listeners, Max Allotment, who uh, is close or was considering passing through town. but did not end up doing that because uh, I was slow on the trigger finger um, posting on the thing, but I uh, did go to a place he recommended called the Grand Delancey, which was a great place. Um, and funny enough, run by the Church Key guys from D.C. Uh, went to Torst for their 10th anniversary event. Um, went to the other half tap room in Rockefeller Center. Uh, it was all all lovely beers. Torst had lovely beers. Actually, finally got to try some beer from the um, Rat Magnet Brewery uh, called Sacred Profane. And it was a delicious lager. I got to give it up. That was delicious. Uh, they're they're not shockingly that those guys uh, uh, and and well that guy and that lady do know how to make lager because they come from a great lager brewery in Notch, um, and uh, yeah, just overall a, a ton of delicious stuff. New York City is a is a um, you know makes sense a massive city with a massive beer scene. So no way I could touch all of it. But um, one highlight was that I did get dragged into, like, a frat party, pretty much. Nice. Um, we met up an old coworker of of, uh, of my wife's, and she is a little bit younger than us. I'd say more like late 20s, mid to late 20s. Yep. And took us to the type of bar that mid to late 20s people think an adult would go to. <laughs> and it was, like, this big fucking beer hall, but was just full of frat bro types. And and girls and I'm like, it's this is a this is a the, the type this is a Wrigleyville party we're walking into and I'm like I'm so old, <laughs> it's just, I feel so much older than everybody here. They actually had pretty good beer on tap, although I think I gave myself a hangover by drinking two other half IPAs like and they serve them in twenty ounce cups or whatever. I'm like, oh, Jesus fuck. Christ. Um, so that was a problem, and they made great food too, but it was just such an awkward scene. It was so loud. Um, it, it just had that feeling of like, man, people come here to hook up. It's nasty. <laughs> so that was that was pretty funny. I, I was more, you know, me. I'm more at home in a place like Tourist. I'm like, it's quiet. Yep. And get some nice beer and a wine glass here. Uh, this is the good life right here. <laughs> um, but uh, no, it was it was all a great time. I went to a Korean restaurant with a taste like a tasting menu Korean restaurant. That was killer. Um. Really wonderful stuff. So uh, I had a, probably my favorite time I've had in New York. I've, I've never gotten to spend much time there, and it always feels like I'm passing through and I'm missing everything, but this was this was all pretty good. Now, Tony, I know you were passing through. You had, you had made a trip out to Melbourne to um, 
Yep. To meet up with with Nick, and uh, tell tell me what what'd you get into there? Well, Nick mentioned that he was he was catching up with some friends in and around the Melbourne area, and I sort of I'd see if he wanted somebody to tag along because I was going to be down for the footy. Um, turns out he did want somebody to tag along because he cancelled. Um, He's meet up with the other people he was originally planning on to hang out with a good beer person, which happens to be yours truly. And we met around midday at Carwin Cellars, which, of course, is the uh, the home of of great um, great tap beer in Australia, I think, or at least in Melbourne, in a like bottle shop environment, not dissimilar to, to Corey's, where they get beer from everywhere and. Um, it wasn't um, – well, it was some side project stuff that we had that was pretty amazing, but we started the day using my methodology, get the heavy hitters out of the way first before your pellets destroyed. We started the day with three bourbon barrel-aged stouts. Um, That's what I was doing every day at NBC, by the yep. way. It was just going right to the Moxa line. Hit me with that wacky barrel-aged almond thing. I want it. Well, and uh, just banging that out right off the bat. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it, but later when I come to my huge list of honourable mentions and stuff when it comes to the the beer that I've had over the past couple yeah, yeah. of weeks. Um, but let, let it just be said that one of the stouts I had was a collaboration between a, a Manchester brewery, I think, Stack, and Cloudwater. And I think you've mentioned Cloudwater in the past. So, uh, is, it, are you, are, is it not track? It could be track, yeah. Brewery from Manchester. Yep. Yeah, yep. I've had a lot of their beer actually because I went to a thing that a couple of years ago there was a tap takeover with Track and Ruse, Ruse from Portland and Track from Manchester uh, at at a Mickler bar, and I really really loved um, uh, Track. I thought they made excellent beer. Well, their collaboration with uh, Cloudwater was pretty killer. Yeah, I, that makes sense. So then we. Um Nick and I, um, we headed off to um, Alchemy, which was one to tick off Nick's list in Ligon Street. Um, that was a quaint little joint. They had a lot of beers on tap. They had about 20 different beers. They were a small little 500-litre um, brewery, and I think it's five or six barrels, um, and had a chat with, with the brewer there and had a good ESB and a couple of other things and mm. had, a, had a bite to eat. And then we decided to head out to La Serene because we've heard, or Nick heard at least on their Facebook, that La Serene was back open. Okay. Um, so we grabbed an Uber, um, $46 Uber out, <laughs> out, out there. And it's an in, in an old industrial estate, gated industrial estate, the way any good, like, but Belgium kind of brewery should be like this is truly like there's n- no other like reasonable business around them. They, this is like metalwork and like cement and all that kind of shit in this industrial estate. And the guy was locking the gate. He's like, "Oh, you'll have to enter that gate, which which happens to be locked." And we're like, "Fuck, we don't think they're open." But we walked in, checked out the place. Sure enough, they weren't open. Started pissing down with rain. We got absolutely soaked, and um, so we we called another Uber and made our way to one of the most awful beers that I've had in Australia. Um, In a 
suburb that I used to live in, Kew, we found another one to add to Nick's list that he didn't know was was there. Oh, no. All right, yeah. And um, they only had one of their beers on tap, and it was fucking awful. It was meant to be a pale ale. Oh, no. Yet it tasted like banana, and it had, like, this oil <laughs> slick taste. And I rated it, I think, a two, and I think I was too generous. I think Nick gave it. A half star, and I think a half star is where that beer deserved to be. And then we ended up um, out at uh, Rambler's Ale Ale Works or whatever that place is. Um, I made my way into the footy. Nick made his way home. I think he might have stopped at Dayton's because it's right near his his train on the way home. So um, it, it was an amazing day. We started the day off strong. It sort of tapered off towards the end. Uh, La Serena have apologised. They're meant to be sending out beers, which I haven't yet received, Nick, so, but I'll keep an eye out in the mail to see whether I receive right. an apology beer. So, um, <laughs> yeah, Nick was the one paying for that particular Uber. Oh, actually, I missed one stop on our tour. Um, did you want to take a guess at what it is? It's a... Brewdog. Yeah, it was Brewdog. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, here's what I'll say about Brewdog. Brewdog. I fucking love their setup. Their setup was amazing. Like somebody said, has it got any soul? Well, any place has got soul if it's got the right people in it. Like I actually loved what they've done with the old prison and I love the venue. I like the Vegas one. It's nice. I mean. Yeah. But it's fucking soulless because it's such a. It's cold cold and pointless. Yeah. Yeah. We had one beer there. It was a dessert stout. Uh, The food was average. Um, The beer was. The weakest out of the big beers I had that day um, was certainly the weakest. And um, I, I would say if you ever end up back there again, Tony, if they have their sour stuff, get that. If they have the, the any of the overworks okay. stuff, that's pretty good. I, okay. I think that's pretty good. Yep. Not to say that, on any of their core range, but yeah. um, their just, sour stuff is decent. Maybe because we were there in the afternoon, but like you can go to places that are like super packed and, and just as – Big in corporate, like um, Moondog World and um, Stomping Ground and all these places. And they've all got more soul because the staff are actually enthusiastic. They want to be there. There's just more going on. And, yeah, to to me it felt hollow and, and I can tick it off the list that I've done it. But there are so many other places I'd rather be in Melbourne, even if the beer maybe isn't quite as high a standard most of the time. I'd, I'd rather take a place that's more comfortable and less corporate but hey that's just me hey i i tend to agree but sort of understand the purpose the vegas one serves here that if in a kind of desert of of good beers you have this option oh that said i I don't think it's quite the desert it used to be of of bad of bad beer because but like i've said before on this show i think you can go into the sports book at the park mgm and drink freem pilsner so okay yep that's what i was going to say when we're talking about a beer desert in vegas i'm sort of even narrowing it to like even blocks of the strip can be a a desert because they're so insulated and people don't tend to travel outside of a couple of hotels within sort of that True. What three quarters of a mile walking distance area of each hotel? That's right. So, yeah, it's good to see that it's, it's becoming more available, um, and it's not just limited to Brewdog in Vegas. Because I know that wasn't a concern when I used to travel to Vegas all the time, but it surely is now. Um, I, I just want to chase good beer wherever 
am, whether it be Vegas. Well, you want to be in trouble when you're hanging out with me. So yeah, we'll, we'll just good. hang out at Corey's and Silver Stamp. Yeah, it's easy. Easy peasy. Lemon um, squeezy. All right, Tony, you got one more thing. It looks like your brewery, your your home brewery is finally opening, huh? Yeah, on the 19th Officially. of this month. So uh, Saturday, Saturday week, as we would say. Um, it's going to be opening. Uh, they'll have their official opening. There'll be dignitaries and shit. And, yeah, so it'd be good to see it um, gain its legs. And uh, there are four beers on tap right now come, that have come out of the brew house. Um, hopefully some more to come. Uh, the Saison is surprisingly popular. I didn't know it would gain such popularity. It was a style I liked, and uh, one of the owners, it, it's one of her favourite styles. Um, the other owner actually hates it. She She's not a fan, but, um, hey, as long as you can get one of the two heads on board, that, that's all that really matters. Um, so... Yeah, it'll, it'll be exciting to see the party that they throw because they've put in a lot of hard work. It's come a long way. And, um, yeah, the beer is very enjoyable. I can tell you from recent memory because I was hanging out there yesterday. So, yeah. All right, Tony. Uh, you know what? I'm actually going to bypass. Uh, unfortunately, yep. I'm going to bypass the Discord this week since it's mostly you're in Nick's. Uh, and some stuff from Max from Max that we already talked about. Although I do want to shout out that he drank some some Cascade Sang de Shane, which was a delicious beer, and I did notice that. So I just wanted to think about that. But and some of this we're going to talk about next week yep. because it's a lot of pictures of people uh, getting down to business at MBCC. We with, will cover them with their laptops next week and their rubrics, with their laptops and their notebooks and their spreadsheets. It was, it was, it was Ooh. as I always remembered it. Um, so why don't we jump into what we all want to do, which is the logger of the week. Oop, sorry. Oh God. <laughs> Griff's logger of the week. Griff's logger of the week. Come on. Uh, like, right. I know people can't see us, but after the two of us rocking out to that song, you would have been at home in that that um, that bar that you were talking about that you didn't love. Come on. Those dance moves would have brought the chicks from miles around. I was so awkward because Kelly's just, like, sitting there chatting with her old coworkers, and I'm, like, just there by myself, like, staring at my Argentinian sausage that I got, which was good <laughs> as hell. Um, oh, that's not code for anything. That was week. actually an Argentinian sausage. Got ya. <laughs> I'm sure there was plenty of Argentinian uh, meat in there, but uh, mine was just a chori pan, um, which was which was very nice. Tony, I got to talk about this lager. I love this lager, and unfortunately, I will have to go and butcher the name. So, Nick uh, and anyone else who knows any, um, I guess, ch- Czech. Uh, lang- like the language of, of che- Czechia, um, just feel free to destroy me. My lager of the week is a beer called Vinorodsky Pivovar. It is a Czech Pilsner uh, from the land of Czech Pilsner. Uh, it's made in Prague. And I absolutely adored this beer. I had it a couple times, I would say at least, maybe three, while I was over there. Um, and sort of discovered this brewery 
entirely on this trip. They were in the, they were part of the festival. Um, and I just, I just love these beers. Uh, they're making, they're a modern, they're in, I don't know what they're, I mean, uh, let me see if I, no, I can understand much of their history. I, I believe it's a brewery that reopened relatively recently in, in say the 2010s at least. And, but was formed out of a leg, a brewery that was potentially open in like the late 1800s originally and sort of went dormant and got restarted uh, as a new brand here. But these loggers are phenomenal. Um, they're do I did not have the uh, 10 degree Play-Doh or whatever this is, uh, the 3.9 Pilsner. I couldn't find that one, but I, I had the 11 and I had the 12 um, and they're both, they're both wonderful. I mean, they are, they, these guys are killing it. So if you're in Europe, if you are someone in America who knows where you can get this beer, please tell us. And, uh, if you're in Europe and you find your way, I, I think Nick is actually going to Germany, right? Um, yes. Relatively yep. soon. Yep. He is. So if he, if you stumble into this, I highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll have it available. I'm sure there's plenty of Pilsner available in Germany, mostly German pills, I would presume. That said, if you find this one, please get your hands on it. And if you find your way into Prague, which, Lord willing, I will someday, um, go to this place and try some of their stuff. They also do make, interestingly enough, they do make IPA and stuff. They aren't one of these hardcore, you know, Rhein-Heinz-Gebot types. They're making a brewed IPA, an American pale, an Atanum India Pale Ale and a Hazy Galaxy Session IPA. Nice. And just based on their brewing skill, I would guess all those rock. Yeah, um, that's I'm something sure they're all delicious. Nick was talking about because last time we, he was in Germany and a mate said, oh, I'll take you out to the – there's a, a sort of developing craft beer scene in Germany. I'll take you out. And Nick said, no, I can get craft beer anywhere in the world. I just want to drink traditional German beers. And Nick came back from his last trip and he thought, what an arsehole am I to do that? He said, I've had plenty of traditional German beer. I should really check out the German, um, for lack of a better term, craft beer scene. And so this time around, he's definitely going to be doing that with a mate of his. So that'll be exciting to see. Good news, my runner-up for Lager of the Week is, uh, and and it would not be a runner-up if I didn't just want to talk about that Czech brewery. This These beers were every bit as good. Um, ours is from a brewery called Frau Gruber, which I think I've talked about on here before. Looks like they are in the area, they're about halfway between Munich and Stuttgart, um, which puts them firmly, I believe, in the middle of nowhere. Um, so good, good luck. But, uh, Maybe you'll find their beer floating around. Um, speaking of making wonderful lager, they had one of the sessions we went to, they just had lager. They had a Hellas and a Pills, both outstanding. But another session I went to, they had a hazy IPA and a, and a stout, and I had those, and they were wonderful too. So um, Frau Gruber is doing it all, and they're doing it all really well. So check them out uh, if you find your way into Germany. Um, uh, we actually got a case. I think I told you guys this. We got a case of their Pilsner here at the stamp, and um, they didn't sell it to us because they they drank it all. <laughs> the owners drank it all, so we did not. We were not able to have any except for I weaseled a can out of uh, Andrew just to just 
like, please, may I have one? <laughs> so you begged. Uh, you begged. I begged for one, and I got one. So nice, like that. Big fan Coast of plays it. out. Tony, how about you? For, how about lager for you? No, no. I'm sure there was nothing that I haven't already done on the show. Um, yeah. The mates and, and pills. No. All right. No, no, nothing, nothing outstanding. But I tell you what, I do have plenty of to talk about. It's these things. Okay, let's cut this short today because I've got so many beers to talk about. I'm only going to talk about beers that I scored uh, 4.75 and above. Um, So my honourable mentions are going to come in no particular order. Well, they are. They're going to come in from the earliest I checked in to the latest ones I checked in. Um, Don't Fear the Ferryman, um, which was the first Imperial Stout that Nick and I tried on that day uh, from Verdant. Pretty solid beer. Very solid. (laughs) The weakest of the three um, barrel-aged stouts that we had. Um, I think it was just a straight barrel-aged stout, nothing exciting. Um, We had double shot from a brewery that I can't pronounce. It's B-R-O-U-W-E-R-I-J. Keys. Oh, that's like, that's a Belgian word for brewery, browery. Yeah. Yeah. Browery Keys. Uh, Double shot was their coffee stout. That was killer. Familiar with them. Yep. Yep. Love in the Dark, which is the beer I spoke about. It was a pastry boy. It was um, by Cloudwater, and it was a collab that they did with with Tract. Um, yeah, it was a pastry boy in all its pastry glory. Uh, then while we were still at Carwin, they still had some side project. Um, La Roche uh, Blend 4 on tapped. Had to get me some of that as a palate cleanser from the uh, barrel-aged stouts. That was absolutely killer. Uh, scrolling further through... That's my beer of the week, so I'll hold that one over. Um, okay, back into the stuff that I purchased locally. Beta Max by Mountain Culture. It's what they do best. It's a hazy or milkshake IPA. Absolutely killer. And then yesterday I had uh, Status Duo, which is their triple hazy, um, 10, mm. 10.5% triple hazy. Absolutely killer. That, I think, is the highest rated out of any of the beers that I've checked in as a community did you want to take a guess at it um i'll read you the description um Mm. we're kick-starting our advent calendar with a twist on our most popular beer of all time status quo status duo uses the exact same hop profile as status quo pale ale but doubles each hop edition bulked up the malt bill to double the abv um, of this juicy hazy hazy delight it's double everything. So, um, three, mm. 430 check ins, uh, 10.4%. Oh, I'm going to go like 4.41, something like that. Oh, you bastard. You snuck it in because it's 4.51. Jesus, it's like treehouse level rating for an IPA. It, it, was, right. it was pretty good, but not. My personal favourite. Um, my personal favourite um, is from a little brewery that we might have mentioned a couple of times. Nick has had one mixed experience and then 
every other experience he's had at Brayside, at Boat Rockers, has been amazing. Mm. He loves the joint now. Um, it's part of their, like, stout series that, that has jet at the end of it. I've had iJet recently, which I've mentioned on the show. Of course, famous for Ramjet and, um, like, there's a caramel variation on that. But this was their Dramjet. So, um, so I'll bridge the description. Um, to the infamous Dramjet, through the wonders of science, we've added bubbles. Um, now intentionally sparkling and no need to cork. This is a fortified. This is still a fortified with Starwood whiskey. It is ramjet dialed up to eleven, with the aroma profile um, changes due to gentle carbonation, and it's fascinating exercise to see what happens when sparkling is added, and still, um, still side by side in twenty twenty five. The description didn't make sense. Um, all you need to know. Is it's a seventeen point six um, version of their Ramjet with a good shot of whiskey added to it to really bump it up? Jesus, it, it tasted like you were drinking whiskey. Um, Three hundred and thirty-nine check-ins. Did you want to take a guess at this score for this stout? Mm, four, wait, it's pretty bourbony. I'm going to actually put that lower. I'm going to say four point three five. Jesus, you could four point four zero. All right. Cool. That sounds good. I'd, I'd rather have that. I don't always care for the triple hazies. I feel like I end up uh, feeling like absolute death whenever I have anything like that. But, but they're both uh, good. Like, 17% bourbon stout all day, baby. Give, yep. me, give me that stuff all day. That's all I was drinking. <laughs> it, it's like I, I was drinking it with a buddy of mine. Uh, this was actually after the day finished up with Nick um, after the yeah. footy. And he, I said... I'll have the Dramjet. And he said, yeah, I'll, I'll have one of those. And, and it came out, and it came out, of course, in a wine glass with a, like a, a sensible pour, like a 150ml pour, which right. is still, he's like, gee, that's a small pour. And then he saw the alcohol percentage on it because he just ordered it straight off the app without looking at what yeah. it was. And he's like, okay, I can understand why you can't. Right, yeah, right now I get you. Yeah, but right. the thing was, you could have ordered a... Um, a pint of it for double the price. Like at least when you go to Calvin Sellers, they've got like for their big stuff, for most beers they've normally got three sizes, a um, pot, um, a schooner and a pint, I think, of the three sizes. You don't need to know the mills. But um, for the big beers, all they've got written on their menu is for the 150 mil measure, and for the pot, I think, and for the for the pint, they've just got nope written, which is, I think, the right thing to do with stuff like side project. So that was my oh, exercise. Oh yeah, no, there's there's ones they just don't do a pint. I mean, yeah. Uh, at the at the um, port bar for Nicola, I noticed that even some small beers they were only doing small pours because probably the cost of the keg or. Um, something like that, that there's like, oh, we're only going to pour this in, um, you know, the, the 20 centiliter for, for 65 crone or whatever it is. Um, all right, Tony, my, I'm, I'm going to try to narrow it down to, to two 
of my favorites because it would just be everything was wonderful. Almost every beer was was a top beer. Not all of them, but almost every one. I'm going to pick two out: one stout and one sour. Um, I top stout as of right now. Before I change my mind, because there were so many, was the bourbon barrel aged ego death with vanilla by Resident Culture. Resident Culture, a brewer I've been to from Charlotte. Uh, this is an imperial stout aged in wooden, sorry, in wooden, in Willet <laughs> bourbon barrels for 14 months, then conditioned on toasted hazelnuts, cacao nibs, and one pound per barrel of Tahitian vanilla beans. Sounds delicious. Fantastic. Yep. Uh, so Tony, give give that a rating guess. What do you think? 831 check-ins. 12.5%. 12.5%. Uh, 4.37. Not quite. 4.56. Jesus one. Christ. It was a monster. That was a killer. And the other one, I mean, the sour, I it's a it's a tough choice because I loved some of the stuff I had from every one of the sour as I went to, I always love the sour stuff here. Yep. Tommy CF was great. Metaphor from, um, I think metaphors from Czechia, I think. I don't remember. Uh, Funk Factory was there with with some of their classics. Um, friggin' Ode Beersel was there, by the way. Like classic, all right. That's awesome. Yeah, that is. Devil was there. They're really good. Oh, Decora. That's one for Max Allotment to look out for. Decora from uh, New Jersey. Um, so might want to check their stuff out if you're looking to drink sour beer. Um, but the one I'm going with is from Offcont, uh, which I'm sure Thanks, there's Lee. a better way to say that. B O F K O N T. They're from, I think, a little old place called Belgium. The, the Flanders region, as it were. And this was their rhubarb cardamom. Uh, it's a one, two, and three-year-old Lambic uh, with rhubarb and cardamom. And I loved it because I love those flavors. Rhubarb is one of my favorite things to eat. Obviously, like, cooked or prepared in some way. I'm not just gnawing on the goddamn stalks <laughs> or whatever. But And I love cardamom, and that was... I had been eating cardamom buns for four days by then so um i was in cardamom heaven it was wonderful a great lambic great fruit great combo with that kind of funky um tartness it was the uh it was especially the cardamom sort of dries it out gives it a little spice really wonderful stuff so those are the ones i'm going to settle on there's probably there's about 40 others i'll remember when we get going next week but um it was, it was really great so Tony, unless you got anything else, why don't we move on to a, a relatively short version of Hyper Beer Nerd Dork Shit News. Hyper Beer Nerd Dork Shit News. Uh, so I thought this was funny. Uh, the Bud Light thing continues, of course. Um, but I, uh, some, in some ways, on their own accord, really, Bud Light has managed to unite the left and right in anger. But has it really? Um, so Bud Light has t- made some weird decisions lately. They're not really united. No. But it's um it, it, I think everybody's pissed off at them. So Bud Light, you know, we all know the story now. They sent the beer to the um to the uh to the trans influencer. Yep. 
that's fine. Uh, but then they started making other decisions. So instead of doing the thing you should do when you piss off probably anyone, but especially the right-wing neocon lunatics, don't do anything. Yeah, don't just respond. Wait. Just wait for a few weeks. Not even a few go weeks. Away. They couldn't even let it settle for a week. Just let it die down. Don't suspend anybody. Don't put anybody on leave. Just let it die down. People would have forgotten about it. What they started doing was putting people on leave, uh, and then eventually what they ended up doing was essentially playing take backsies and firing the agency that did it. Um, And, uh, yeah, pretty much firing everybody that was associated with it. And now what they've done is piss off all the people that would have been somewhat uh, uh, related to or felt like they had been inclus- included by doing this whole thing, right? By getting by by sending the beer to Dylan Mulvaney. Um, so all those people now feel alienated again. And now uh, I noticed this in Chicago. I'm sure this is happening elsewhere. That gay bars are uh, gay, and um, that gay bars are starting to pull Bud Light out of their okay. Bars. And, I'm, I'm going to make as much fun of them as I did the lunatic right wingers. I mean, it's take- silly. No, of course it's silly, but I, th- it's not about that. What it's about is they should have done nothing. All yes. they did was double back. I agree. Their stupid thing, and when all they're just essentially doubling back and forth until they make it make everybody mad at them. Yep, it's an insane route, right? I, I sure it's still is it all silly to do all this stuff? Hell yeah, it's stupid. But who's really stupid in this is them. They should just they could have waited a week and a half, yep. and it would have gone away. I just I looked. Speaking of things that go away really fast, I looked up ultra white right beer. There has not been a news story about it since the one we talked about a month ago. Yeah. So it's this stuff just vanishes. It's, yes. It just goes into the ether. What do you so think I called him a grifter? You could have just had that. You you thought so this insane. was going to be a going concern. I called him a grifter because this is a one-off thing. He's going to produce the beer once. He's got a whole. He's bunch a grifter. It this should have been a grift situation, but they've made it into something else. Yes. they've made it worse. Yep, this is like everything that you sort of like told not to do in PR, they've done, and they've done it from the highest level. Um, And, yes, they've made it worse for themselves. But the performative nature on both sides, it's like Kid Rock going out shooting beers, then banning Bud Light from his bars, and then gay bars not stocking Bud Light. Well, still stock it. Yes. Just know that the sales will be down. Like, you can't tell me that by not selling Bud Light, you're actually attracting a customer base. You're not. I'm not sure it does them any good. I mean, to be fair, I'm not sure a a gay bar in Chicago. I don't know how much Bud Light they sell or don't sell. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how much. I don't know how much the. This is a. This is going to. uh, This is one of those things that uh, if I were better at it, like Brian (laughs) is, I would try to preface in a way. I'm guessing my understanding of gay bars in Chicago, at least, is that the beverage product is really not the thing that's keeping people in or out of the gay bar. That's, yeah. that's sort of my whether it's Bud Light or it's or it's Bush Light or it's Natty Light or it's Miller yeah. High Life. They don't care. I don't think it matters to them. It's no. just got to be one of them. You know? Yeah, it, it does, and and that's sort of 
my point is like why why do this bit of performative art when it's not really affecting your bottom line because at the end of the day you're in business to make money even if you're a gay bar um it, it just seems performative just as much as it was for the right and if i'm going to make fun of of Kid Rock, um, I'm going to make fun of these bar owners as well because I'm an equal opportunity. That is dumb. That is a dumb move, and that truly is. In the end, it's funny because now now Budweiser, Anheuser Busch, has to figure out what they're they're, they're just going nuts in there. Yeah, there's people. There, there's probably people in there 16 hours a day, like. Trying to come up with the next stupid thing they do. Who knows what's going to be next? But the thing for me is like, so they're down 3% in their beer. And who does this really affect? It affects their shareholders. Let's be honest. This is what this is all is about. Is about. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And so I actually applaud, applaud the poor decisions that Bud are making. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anything that you can do to damage um, share market investors. Sorry if you're a big investor in, in stocks and bonds and day trading, Zegriff. Um, I'm all for that. Fuck those guys. It's a grift. It's a grift. Speaking of a grift, day trading. Yes. <laughs> That's not features. something I would be doing. <laughs> Frozen concentrated orange juice. That's what I'm getting into. Um, anyways, this was it was funny. Uh, I, I would suspect... That um, I, I think this will be the thing that propels Michelob Ultra into being their number one selling product. Now it was going to happen anyways, but maybe it's going to really? happen sooner now. Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to happen. And I've talked about this: is that I had a Michelob Ultra recently, and it's become my new choice for a casino beer. If I have to drink a beer in a casino, real Michelob Ultra, baby! It does not have any taste. It's amazing. Even more than than Bud Light. I think it has the least amount of taste of almost anything I've ever had that's not the soda stream water. Wow. Um, that's and I massive. love that. I'm like, sweet, 4.1%, no taste. It uh, doesn't come out of the dirty lines because I can get it comped from the bottle. This is fucking perfect. This is all I want out of this. <laughs> yeah, it's a wonderful experience. It's always funny to me because this story has been making its way around non-beer podcasts and I was listening to a podcast and they were trying to shit shit on Bud Light. It's like, okay, you can say it's got no flavor and whatever else, but they're like, oh, and it does a number on my gut. It's got so much rice in it. I'm like, you just make yourself look stupid if you're going to bring up the whole rice versus corn versus mass market lager because everything is fucking thinned. With some you know what agent. doesn't do a number on my gut? Barley? What? Do you, what is? What? Do you, who are yeah. you? What is your? It's like you have a rice allergy. What the fuck? Are you? <laughs> it's like uh, I bet you you drink sake when you go to a Japanese restaurant or just want to drink sake, and you got no problem with it then. Right. But because it's like a, a point that non-beer drinkers pick up on that it's got rice in it versus corn versus wheat versus sugar, whatever. Yeah. It's all the fucking same thing. It all produces alcohol. Get over it. Uh, that's a Bullish. dumb point to make. It's like the MSG. It's like the MSG thing. I fucking love uh, MSG powder. You've yeah, got MSG powder MSG. in your your house, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's fucking delicious. So this is this this next news story is um, this wins the weekly award for the news story that I could not get away from, 
And this is one of the ones that I think is pretty stupid for that, actually. I'm, I'm surprised with how silly this is. Um, Kansas man wearing a beer costume arrested for suspected DUI. Now, you say this, um, is, this is dumb, but this, to me, is another The Simpsons predicted the future. Because didn't Surly... <laughs> this does have that thing. When they went to um, Duff Gardens, I mean, there are drink and drive? people wearing beer costumes. Uh, the, the closest comp I had for this for Simpsons, and it did make me think of The Simpsons, but um, it was when Homer gets his DUI. I think this is season four, maybe. Uh, Homer gets his DUI. Um, he gets essentially uh, uh, somehow he gets flagged down by a guy wearing a big. Um, Stein costume. He's yes. just in a big beer Stein costume, but it's Chief Wiggum is in the beer Stein costume. And he, he calls over to the other two cops. He's like, a couple of stewed prunes headed your way. And then somehow at the end, Barney gets the keys and crashes directly into um, Wiggum in the, in the Stein costume and sends him like rolling through trees or whatever. See, Anyways, that's what that made me think of. It reminds me of the episode where Homer gets food poisoning because he couldn't put away the um, foot-long sub or the 20-foot-long oh, yeah. sub. And a um, Patty or Selma has to take them to Duff Gardens. Duff Gardens. Yeah, and you've yeah. got Surly being Surly. Two more feet and we can fit it in the fridge. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so this guy's wearing a beer can costume. Funny enough, he's wearing a Bud Light costume. So my man is not my man is not boycotting. No, um, and not fully committed to the bit either. Like he's wearing a t-shirt under that costume. Yes, he he's wearing a he's wearing a poorly colored t. He's wearing a brown shirt. Yep, um, <laughs> and a pink hat. And um, yeah, and I think he's wearing Crocs. Right. Oh, that's too hard for me to see. That's too... I don't know how you can pull Crocs out of that photograph. So he got pulled over uh, on Interstate 35 in Franklin County, Kansas. Um, They... uh, And now this was based on reports of a supposed intoxicated driver. Now it appears to be about... I'm going to say 3 p.m. in this picture would be my guess. Um, Hard to say because... Hard to say. It could be between anywhere between 8 a.m. and 4 p.m., I would, I would argue. I, I'm, I'm going to say it's a little bit later. That shadow is fairly long if you look at the shadow that That's he's casting on yeah. the road. That's what I thought, yeah. I was so thinking long shadow. So. 4.35 o'clock. I, I don't know what time it gets dark right. in um, in Kansas these days. In we'll say that's County. good. I think that's good. So, um uh, essentially, this guy got arrested, and as of May 8th, he'd been released from p- police custody. And uh, all that happened was he just got dunked on 3,000 times. Uh, Franklin County Sheriff did say they don't believe he was traveling from a Cinco de Mayo party, so at least we cleared that up. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Franklin County Police. Um, but yeah, man in a beer costume. Really not that interesting a story, but he was wearing a beer costume when he had to get out of the car. Uh, my advice would be: if you're going to if you're going to get arrested for drunk driving. First of all, don't. Yeah. Good second point. of all, uh, second of all, don't wear your beer can into the car. What are you doing? You're just gonna, you're just asking to get like dunked on by everyone. So you could just take that off, especially if we have a brown shirt and jeans on. Really easy. Yeah. <laughs> just shed the beer can. 
The only thing I can think of is he pulled a Brian Malika and um, was on his way to a bathroom where he was about to freeze his pants, and he thought that was a better way to to cover up. He's actually he's actually only wearing the Bud Light can because it was for it was his first day of work at the at the Anheuser Busch party zone, and he was supposed to be Bush Light, but he ended up shitting in it, and now he has Bud Light. <laughs> he got a Bud Light on. <laughs> <laughs> like, why do you have that I mean, laying around? Like, if there, this was Halloween, on the exact day of Halloween, or even the week around it, maybe you have a party on Halloween or whatever. But, like, yeah, why are you driving around and just having this yeah, on I hand? I don't know what's going on here. I do love the idea of him shitting in it, though. I think that's pretty good. <laughs> um, all right. Tony, let's... Uh, you know what'd be better than the beer can? Let's get like a Duff. Let's get a Duff girl in there. Let's get like one of the girls that goes with Duff Man in there, and uh, you know she could just be just just get some. You don't need the brown shirt and jeans, you know. <laughs> let's or let's get her in a brown shirt and jeans. Maybe that'll be hot. Let's do that. I mean, whatever. But get, we need the sexy beer can. All right, Tony. Let's play a game. Why don't we play a game? Or how, how, do you want to play a game? What does the saw guy say? I don't know. I've never been a big okay. saw guy. To play a game. Do I look like a saw guy? Yeah, I kind of do, but I'm not. Anyway, <laughs> I was going to say you look like the saw guy. But <laughs> let's do uh, let's do a round of this or that. How about that? Huh? Plink plunk plink plunk 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 this or that. <laughs> Made a bad joke at the uh, beer fest, Tony. That um. Because, you know, one thing with the toilet, I don't know if you guys have toilets like this in Australia. They're those low, they have the low flow toilets in Europe. And um, the, 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 the water is, is quite far from your ass. The water is, has, yeah, a, there's a the gap. way it got intended. Yeah, but it does make, it does sort of essentially make exactly that sound. <laughs> um, if you're not just dropping one smooth log in there. Yes. You get a little bit of a plink plank. Because that's the thing. With the, uh, when you go to America, you they, they, that's why that Simpsons episode didn't make sense to anybody in Australia. Because we've never had toilets that flushed like that. They've always been low oh, right, water. Yeah. They always just go straight down, right? Yeah, yeah. low water. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Everything Anyways. else in that episode made made perfect sense. The booting, <laughs> the, the game of knifey spoony, the licking of the toads, uh, all that made sense. Yahoo Serious Festival. I wonder what's happened uh, to that guy. This week's This or That, Tony. Uh, this one's up there in sort of the goofy um, things that I just kind of came up with because of the name. But uh, uh, in this week, you'll be, you're going to be asked to guess, are, are these names of things uh, either a beer that I drank at NBCC well, not even a beer I drank. A beer I could have drank at NBCC. A beer that was available at NBCC. Or a TV show that aired on NBC. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I like it. So we have NBC show or NBCC beer. Uh, we got tough. 10 of them here. Okay. Let's do it. Let's rock the and roll. The first one I have for you is called Here and Now. Here and Now. That to me reads more like, oh, it reads like both. I'm going to say this is a beer. 
Uh, this is a brewed just for the festival style beer. You're saying this is a beer, Tony? Yes. Here and now is a beer. Yes. You're right. Here and now is a beer I actually had, and it was a very tasty beer, in fact. Um, it is a spontaneously fermented cherry wild ale from Metaphor Brewing. Uh, it, it was it was lovely, and I quite enjoyed it. So you got that one right, Tony. Very good. The next one I have for you is called Comfort Zone. Comfort Zone. This again is reading beer to me because I I can't imagine the premise of this show. Um, is this like a, a psychology Chicago hope kind of thing? Um, that didn't air for very long. No, this is a beer as well. It's a super superstore for sofas. <laughs> I'm going to say that this is also a beer. All right, Tony, you got that one too. It's a beer. Comfort Zone is by Sollycott Brewing. It's a high-intensity New England double IPA uh, with mosaic and citra. Nice. There you go. With cheetah I didn't hops. have this one. This is a new one. Right, next one. This one's called uh, the Nut House. The Nut House. Oh, I reckon this came around. Like first instinct is this is a um, like a, a barrel aged stout with a whole heap of nuts in it. But I actually think this is like around the time of Herman's Head kind of like comedy with a laugh track. That's that's where I'm going with that one. So I think NBC. Tony, you're on a roll. Um, I thought I thought I could get you with the nut house with uh, the nut part of it, but uh, this was actually an American sitcom television series that aired for five episodes on NBC from September 20th to October 25th, 1989. It was written by Mel Brooks, was amongst the writing staff. It starred Cloris Leachman, Ari Corman, and Brian McNamara. Uh, the, it was a very broad satire in which the main story was periodically interrupted by short, unrelated, and often surreal gags. Its audience was quite a narrow one. It was canceled within six weeks of its premiere. Um, it didn't seem... I think one problem was that it, it was just sort of a... It had sort of a Mel Brooks vibe about it where just a bunch of stuff was happening in random ways and there really was yep. no contiguous plot. So <laughs> uh, sort, sort of a struggle. I'm sure there were some funny bits, though. Um, all right. Tony's hot on this one. Uh, the next one I have for you is called Just Passing Through. Ooh. I see this, and I could be wrong, as like a Pushing Daisies kind of um, TV show. Um, mm. Like, um, what was that other one with Danny DeVito's daughter? Like a lighthearted ghost show. Um, <laughs> not necessarily a sitcom, but sort of a lighthearted ghost show. So I'm going to say ghost. NBC. Yeah. All right, Tony, I got you on one. Oh. This is a beer. This is by Outer Range. Outer Range is from 
Frisco, Cal- California, Frisco, Colorado. Um, but they are opening. It sounds like they are opening a place in the French Alps, which I thought was pretty good for them. Uh, this is a Gosa brewed with yuzu and prickly pear and dragon fruit. I was on board with the yuzu. Everything else after that kind of lost me. Yeah, I'm not a big prickly pear and dragon fruit fan. They're very, they're very sweet. Um, I didn't, I did not have this one. So, um, all right, three of four, still doing good. Next one is called needles and pins. Needles and pins. We had a quiz show in Australia called Spicks and Specs. Has that same vibe, but I'm going to go with beverage. Don't maybe it's a sour. I could see this being like a modern, modern sour, even a modern wild ale. Needles and pins. It's a beer. Needles and pins is a TV show. Oh. That aired on NBC from September 21, 1973 to December 28, 1973. Uh, it, was, it had Norman Fell in it. Now, Norman Fell it was the landlord in Three's Company. Um, I'm sure you watched that, Tony, oh, yeah. right? Um, in this show, Nathan Davidson was the owner of the Lorelei Fashion House, a manufacturer of women's clothing located in New York City's Garment District. His business partner is his dilettante brother-in-law, Harry Carp. Wendy Nelson, the daughter of a friend of Nathan's, has just moved to New York City from Nebraska and taken a job with Lorelei as a fashion designer. She must adjust to the hectic pace of life in New York City and... Uh, Sorry, uh, in general and in the fashion industry in particular. Also working at Lorelei are Sonia Baker, the bookkeeper, Charlie Miller, the salesman, the fabric cutter, the pattern maker, blah, 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 blah. And um, so this is about making cl- clothes. So this is around the time of Mary Tyler Moore, I'm guessing. It would be right around then, maybe actually a little bit before. Um, but but yeah, right right around there, I think. Yeah, has that kind of vibe to it? I'm probably right around there, yeah. Well, it didn't work out. Uh, 14 episodes, uh, and four of them ended up being unaired. So it was a rough go for needles and pins. So now you're three of five, Tony. Next one I have for you is called Stiff Peaks. What was that? Twin Peaks? Stiff Stiff Peaks. Okay. So I think this is a meringue-inspired beer, hence the Stiff Peaks, like whipping up a, an egg. This is a this is a pastry boy. This is a beer. See, I was hoping you would think this is like a bakery, some kind of bakery show when we were doing like Emerald for a Bam. while on uh, NBC. Yeah. Uh, but no, you're right. This is a beer. It is a fruited sour with graham cracker crust, lemon, and vanilla meringue. It's by Three Sons from the Miami area. Excellent. That there sounds delicious. Mary Tyler Moore yeah, show ran between 1970 and 1977. So, yes, it was. Okay, so you were right there. The yeah, that was right. I didn't realize it was quite that early in the 70s. Okay. Um, I, I did not get this beer because the line for Three Sons at all times was like around the fucking thing. Yep. And I like Three Sons okay, but I don't like him that much. So, 
Uh, next one I have for you, Tony, is called uh, the bug the bugaloos. The bugaloos. Um, is this like a children's TV show, like the Molly Grubs, perhaps? Like it's it's not like it's too close to the Boogaloo Boys, at least in my mind. Um, it doesn't sound advertising. Maybe it's an acronym for something. No, it's got to be a kids TV show. Kids TV show. NBC. Right. Tony the Bugaloos is a kids TV show. Yes. Um. Uh, I was I was really working on the on the bug component, but um, this aired on Saturday mornings on NBC from 1970 to 1972. The show takes place in the fantasy setting of Tranquility Forest. The central characters are teenage musicians who formed a pop band named the Bugaloos. So this is a little bit of a monkeys, kind of a, a monkeys partridge family kind of yep. situation here. Yeah. But with some fantasy because they are human, although they have antenna and actual wings. Good to say they got uh, actual wings, not actual antennas. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, right. So this was touted as the British version of the monkeys. So I was actually right. That is like the monkeys. So pretty good by me. Hey, hey, we're the monkeys. Hey, hey, we're the bugaloos. Doesn't quite still doesn't ring out. We're not. Hey, hey, we're the bugaloos. Not quite the monkeys. Eh. All right. Just a few left here. Okay. Uh, How about this one, Tony? This one's called uh, Big Hawaii. Big Hawaii. I think because. Hawaii Five O was such a dominant name. I don't think this is a TV show. I think this is some sort of beer, maybe some sort of pineapple-based beer. Give me, give me beer. Tony, you fell right into my trap here. Oh, Big so Hawaii much. is an American drama television series that aired from September twenty-one until November twenty-three, nineteen seventy-seven. <laughs> Uh, really did not go good for some of these shows. You know, a lot of shows have been on NBC, but a lot of shows have gotten cancelled off of NBC. Well, do you remember um, what pilot season used to be like? You used to look forward. There used to be like 24 shows that would debut yeah, I remember, in pilot I remember Homer season. Simpson waving the, waving the little flag because yes. he was getting excited for like General Baby or whatever the fuck the show was <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, uh, this one's uh, the premise here. All it is says is a wealthy family owns the massive Paradise Ranch on the island of Hawaii. So this feels like maybe a bit of Dallas. They had a little bit of envy of the Dallas yep uh, thing here, but uh, did not work out for them. Big Hawaii. Uh, who did it star in this? Cliff Potts. I don't know who that is. Good old. Cliff. I mean, a lot of guys. A lot of dead guys is what it is. All right, we're in this. Um, Rip. Uh, Next up. Casey, you got that one wrong. Tony, you've gotten five right. You've gotten three wrong. So you can can get it all done here. The next one I have for you is called Imaginary Lines. Imaginary Lines. That's definitely a beer. That's not... (laughs) The only thing it could be is like a reality... 
show based thing. But I don't think it is. I think it's a beer. And they were imagining the lines that they would get for this beer at the beer festival that never actually materialised. You're on beer? Yeah, I am definitely going beer. You don't think this is like the real world or something where well, that, that, he's going to cross the imaginary line? I do think it is, but that's that's not strong enough in my um, sort of thoughts. That that was my only out as a TV show, so but it's not All strong right. enough. Beer overrides it. You're right. Imaginary Lines is a beer. Uh, it is uh, by Ruse. Ruse Brewing from Portland. Imaginary Lines was brewed with crazy amounts of malted and rolled oats, followed by two heavy dry hop charges of Citra, Mosaic, and Strata. So, delish. And I had yeah. it, and I've checked it oh. in, and I loved it. Good. Excellent. Uh, so, Tony, you've, you've ended up ahead. You have one left, though. This one's called Pacific Station. Oh, this definitely sounds like a TV show. Um, that was... I reckon it had a lot of action in it. Um, not sure whether it was based around the in the Pacific Ocean somewhere on an island, perhaps. Definitely a TV show, not a beer, not a beer. Definitely NBC. All right, NBC it is. You got seven right, Tony. Nice job. Yes. Pacific Station was a sitcom. Uh, starring Robert Guillaume and Richard Libertini that aired on NBC from for the oh one of the longer ones we've talked about September 15 1991 to January 3 1992 so spanning yeah. two years um in five uh, about five months this one centered around detective Bob Ballard a wisecracking veteran cop who had been assigned to Pacific, Pacific Station in Venice California uh, a dumping ground for eccentric and or incompetent officers. So it's got, this is police academy. This is police academy <laughs> naked gun type of yes. envy, I think. Yeah. Brooklyn Nine-Nine um, before it's time. Brooklyn Nine-Nine before it's time. That's right. Uh, it did not garner solid ratings due to competitions from America's Funniest People, which I don't remember that show. Nope. And, and, of course, Murder, She Wrote. I think it probably had more to do with Murder, She Wrote than yep. America's Funniest People, but that's just me. All right. There you go. That's the game. Tony wins. Tony, uh, what do you win for this or that again? This is, is this one where you have to donate, donate a million dollars to yep. an orphanage. Oh, yeah, you don't have to donate a million dollars to an orphanage. Congrats. But sorry for all those kids that you let die. Yeah. That's kind of tough on them. That's, oh, well. Oh, well. Moving on. Uh, why don't you tell everybody where they can get a hold of us? They can get a hold of us on Untapped. And for once, I can say, I've been checking in beers, big beers, great beers. Yeah, me too. Me uh, too. And I'm St. Moz. Um, but if you really want to follow the man, the myth, the legend, follow Griff AD on Untapped. He'll be checking in beers. He'll be checking in beers from international destinations that most of us can only dream about. Uh, if you want to follow us on Instagram, you can do that at Beer Engine Pod. If you want to send us a donation, you can do that at ko-fi.com forward slash Beer Engine Podcast. If you want to send us an email, 
send that to us on beerengineshow at gmail.com. And, of course, if you want to join our Discord, links are on our website. All right, gang. It was, a, it was fun to get back into the saddle and chit-chat with Bucket you all. You will, uh, I think we will be back next week with guests. guests. Oh, my God. This is crazy. Uh, can't wait to do that and tell you a little bit more about my worldly travels that will also make me feel embarrassed now because uh, – of what Tony just said. So, all right. See you guys later. Bye.